did you find anything in there? <laughs> yeah, at least one, just one. <laughs> You're in denial. <laughs> Self-compassion. Hmm. So, in the book of Matthew, about chapter 15, there's this story about Jesus. And Jesus has left his homeland because they're not being very nice to him. And he needs a break. And he's gone about 50 miles north into the land of the Canaanites. And he's really wanting to be alone. He's brought his, his disciples with him, but he's really getting away from it all. Enough. And he's out in this foreign land, and this Canaanite woman, this Gentile, she is not a Jew. She is not of his faith. She is not of his homeland. But she knows something about him because she's following the group, and she's hollering. She's hollering, will you please have mercy on me? My daughter is sick. My daughter is demon-possessed, which at that time is, could be any number of illnesses. And she's following, and they're walking away. And Jesus isn't answering. And she continues to ask, and, and he, his disciples say, can you tell her to stop? Tell her to go away. So he takes a deep breath, and he turns around, and he says, I'm here to serve the children of Israel. That's my job. I'm here to serve the children of Israel. And she continues to, and he keeps walking, and they're ignoring her. And she keeps following him, and he finally stops because she's begging. She wants her child to be healed. And if you're a mother or father in this room, you can understand that desperation. And no amount of ignoring is going to make me go away. I'm, I want healing for my child. And so she asks again, will you please heal my child? My child is suffering of demon possession. And he turns around and says, it wouldn't be right to feed the dogs before I feed the children. It wouldn't be right. I'm here to feed the children of Israel first before I feed the dogs. You're Jesus? Mmm. Huh. Not our Jesus. Those words don't sound like our Jesus, do they? No. To call someone else a dog? And the woman says, but Lord... Even, even the dogs get the scraps from the table of the children. There are scraps. There's still something. And he stops. And he recognizes this woman's faith. And he tells her, by her faith, her child is healed. Not by my hand, but by your faith, your child is healed. It's a pretty remarkable story. It's a pretty remarkable story because it tells us our Jesus was human. Our Jesus got worn out, got tired, didn't always say the words that he might have wanted to say, probably got someplace to rest that night and thought, man, that was not the right thing to say. Those were not nice words. 
This woman had all that big, open, juicy, faith-filled heart, and I was walking away from her. And I got influenced by my disciples who said, send her away. Anything like that ever happened to any of you? Do you ever get caught up in somebody else's desire for something to stop and found yourself trying to stop it? When really, if you'd gone to your own heart, you might have done it differently. Or did you ever let something fall out of your mouth and then realize, that was not the right answer. That's not who I want to be. That's not who I am. It's important to have an awareness of these prophets, masters, teachers, way showers as human. Because the great desire in life is to elevate ourselves to a certain place. And it's important for us to see that that place emerges from humanity. If we don't, we can't imagine ourselves ever truly expressing our own inner Christ consciousness. We can't imagine ourselves living into that place because who could actually be that good all of the time? The, the reality is, and I'm so sorry to be the person who has to break this to you, but we are all human, right? And so is he. And that's what made him a way shower. So was Buddha. That's what made him a way shower. So was Mother Teresa. That's what made her a way shower. Otherwise, if they just come in as enlightened beings, we, we can never be that. They got there from their humanity. Our society wants us to be perfect, the best. I'm going to be the best minister. I'm going to be the best mom. I'm going to be the best dad. I'm going to be the best widget maker. I'm working to be the best. Hey, boss, I'm the best. Can you see? I'd be the best for that job. What parent doesn't want to hear their kids say, you're the best mom ever? (laughs) We want to be the best. And a lot of us fall in the baby boomer generation. There's actually a really um, very practical reason for that. For those of you that fall in that baby boomer generation, it's the largest generation we ever had. And the only way we got to advance was by making ourselves visible, which is why a lot of baby boomers have the wall of glory that has the, you know, everything they ever got in a, a certificate for on it. Because when there's too many people, you have to work hard to be seen. So the point is this. We really are human in all our faults and frailties. And that humanness that we are is what is here for a purpose. It's from this that we launch into our enlightened self. We can't get to our enlightened self without experiencing what it is in our not-so-enlightened moments. We have to have those moments, and they're not pretty. They're not always graceful. They don't always allow us to sleep well at night, but when we see the humanness in ourselves, we're able to see it in someone else. When we love the humanness in ourselves. We're able to love humanity, to really understand the gentleness, the ease with which things can go wrong. So this is important to our lesson of compassion because compassion is about co-suffering, right? We talked about that. The word means to suffer with. 
It's also about generosity of spirit, a willingness to open wider for the good that can come from something that doesn't look so good in the beginning. And compassion for ourself is about recognizing ourselves as human first, not best first. So we tend to raise our children toward a life of high self-esteem. And high self-esteem is all about seeing yourself as good enough, better than, worthy of, whatever. Raising our children above failure can't have them held back in school because they would fail. Can't fail to give everybody a trophy because they would fail. But how in that do we experience failure and receive love and learn how to self-soothe when we don't achieve what we set out to achieve? We need tools to be able to love ourselves. Byron Katie said, if you want to meet the love of your life, look in the mirror. And think about it. Who will be with you with every breath? For as long as you live, if you can look in the mirror without yourself, you're, in, you, you're pretty, pretty, you are the best, right? <laughs> Loving ourselves is the greatest piece of work we have to do. Everything comes from that. Having compassion when we're human is a seriously important piece of having compassion for the world. So how do we do that? What does that really look like? I want to invite you to just close your eyes for a minute and first of all, feel yourself in your human body. Actually notice where you hold yourself tight and release the tightness. And notice everybody's got a butt to sit on. (laughs) Big or little, you have one. Let yourself relax into your seat, into your pelvis. Let yourself relax into your body. Let your shoulders relax and your hands relax. Let your breath relax. And let your consciousness sink into this physical form. And actually find yourself here in this room as the perfectly, not so perfect human being that you are. And gently open your eyes. As you walk around today, I want to invite you to walk in this body. Because we tend to walk up here in our head. And when we're up here in our head, we miss the signals that we're hurting. Because the signals that we're hurting happen in here. So when we're in our body, we can feel things. We can feel that our stomach aches, that our heart hurts that our breath has gotten shallow, that something isn't quite right. The first step in self-compassion is recognizing something doesn't feel quite right. Co-suffering, yes? To recognize, I'm suffering some. I'm suffering with this. This is not fun. I'm not comfortable. The next step is to step back from oneself and look at that. And in unity, we talk about that as the witness position or the observer, right? We all have the ability to do that, to step back and look at myself and think, huh, that's a very interesting state I'm in. 
I'm actually suffering. Hmm. So when we do that, we're exercising two parts of our consciousness, aren't we? We're exercising our main conscious mind in this world and then our superconscious mind. When we do that, we separate from the ego. The observer is not the ego. The ego is the one who's suffering. That is the personal identity. I work, I mother, I whatever, I friend. I, the personal ego, am suffering. When we pull back, the observer has the opportunity to look and say, I see the suffering. What is needed here? I, my, my caring, loving self, if all that God is is love, then that observer is that, is love. What is needed here? I can see myself suffering. What do I need to heal and soothe myself? Do I need to converse with someone? Do I need to go take a hot bath? Do I need a nap? Do I need to feed myself differently? Do I need to work on my sore muscles? Do I need to go punch a punching bag till I get the mat out? What is it that I need right now? How do I be kind and caring and loving to myself and give myself what I would give to anybody else? When we do that, when we step into self-care, we soothe the ego and the ego and the observer begin to work as one. And that's really what we're after, isn't it? For the ego and the observer to come back into union so that we are whole and integrated and always aware of being kind and loving and gentle with ourselves, always soothing ourselves, always moving ourselves through the compassion that applies to being human. And it's one thing if what you're suffering for is the sore muscle. It's another thing if what you're suffering for is guilt or pride or the pain of knowing that you caused harm somehow, that somehow your words hurt someone, your actions hurt someone. That's when we most have to realize we're human, when we most have to find our voice for self-compassion. Because once we can do that, once we can forgive ourselves, really move into a compassionate place of being because of who we chose to be, what we did that we might not have done with more thought, once that happens, we're able to look at the world differently. So when we started our service today, I invited you to honor Remembrance Day, that day, February 19th in 1942, when in the United States, we rounded up all of the people who were Japanese and we moved them into internment camps because we were afraid, because we didn't know what else to do, because somebody made a really bad decision. People lost their homes. Children were moved away from all they had ever known. Children who were born here were put in in places they couldn't even imagine because it was not part of their awareness. We made decisions. And I asked you to hold a moment of silence for all the people that were ever hurt in that time. And I suspect, and you can confirm by a show of hands, that the majority of the people in this room 
put the love that was asked for toward the Japanese citizens. Raise your hand if that's true. Okay. Who's missed in that exercise? All the people who made the decision to move forward in that direction, right? Because it's easy for us to make them wrong and address who we see as a victim. And half of the equation requires that same prayer. Yes? Half of the equation is that we pray for those who have to live with that decision, for those who struggled in their lifetime, for those who may have passed their pain on to their children because they were never able to be compassionate with themselves for their own humanness. So we're going to, in a moment, give some time to sending love to them as well. This place of of self-compassion, it changes everything. It changes our ability to make demons and villains out of other people around us. It moves us towards compassion for the suffering that comes from hard decisions for the suffering that comes from disagreements, for the suffering that comes from impulsivity and anger and frustration and being human. And when we learn to allow that in ourselves, we are able to see the world through an entirely different set of eyes. Very hard to find demons and villains when we've acknowledged those that exist within us. So I'm going to share a couple of quotes with you and then invite you into a moment of silence. Joseph Campbell said, the privilege of a lifetime is being who you are. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. And Jamie Girard said, Loving yourself is healing the world. Connie, we're going to take a moment of silence and I'll invite you to bring us out of it when you feel the time is right. Let's hold silence for all of those who have suffered as a result of this anniversary of Remembrance Day. stay in this quiet place and take these words in for yourself as you had given have given now receive
So it is. 